Welcome to an all 100% serious, no jokes allowed episode of Recommended Reading with Jackson Heyman. My name is Jackson Heyman, and yeah, I'm gonna stick to no goofs, no jokes, no bits. Haha, ha, that was a bit. This is gonna be jokes, but it's also gonna be serious intellectual discussion. I know you, yes. you people sure do like that after a second episode about weird restaurants. You know what you come here for, and that is intellectually stimulating conversations. Intellectually on the verge of just straight up pretentious about the topics we love. We are going to be so pretentious. Um, it is like the borderline I'm... of gatekeeping. No, okay, we can't. I'm not. I'm not. It's we are not. Good. We are not trying to gate. <laughs> I feel like we're going to try to gatekeep from the gatekeepers almost. But but like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, I'm Jackson Heyman. Sam Gutierrez is here again. Um, hi Sam, how are you? Hi, I'm doing fantastic, Jackson. It is summer. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm it very is summer. It is I May. Have... Um, we are recording. This is this comes out in July. Um, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. My life is getting busy, so I'm pre- we're pre-recording so many episodes right now. Um, but we did this back in March too, so get ready that's for true. a lot of dated references, probably. Everything that's really hip now that in two weeks it's gonna yeah, like two what's months. what what's hip right now that will probably be gone by July? Ugly Sonic. Yeah, do you think people will still be talking about ugly? Do you think still people will still be talking about the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie no, in two I months? No, I guarantee you. That's I, a different. We're not. We're not even gonna. We're gonna. We talked about it. We're not diving into that today. I we had. We had an entire conversation last night about this movie. Um, I I'm gonna spill my opinions right now. Um. I only was able to get through like the first half hour and then I just watched the Looney Tunes back in action. Um, you should all just do the same. <laughs> is that on HBO Max? Uh, yes, it is. I might have. I've never seen it. Guys, I could. We're not going to talk about Looney Tunes back in action. We can't. <laughs> we, we. This is this is this is our super serious episode about the MCU theories and what has the MCU become? Yes. Um. This will this I'm pro, I'm right now tentatively titling this titling this episode the MCU in 2022. Um, this is sort of just like a debrief of what has happened with the MCU and all these Marvel movies and TV shows and other projects in the last year and a half or so. Yes, because, because we just came off of what was. Again, a little hinting here. What was talked up to be the biggest event of this so-called Phase Four, and if you see social media, you saw some of the reactions. And I guess it kind of left Jackson and I in, in kind of a limbo, where we were like, "Hmm, we really liked Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It was very Sam Raimi, a very fun, just random film. You know, it's like we we started sitting here, but like, what had the MCU become? Where?" Seeing John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic just wasn't enough. Yeah. Like, to some people. I think... Exactly. My personal opinion on the Krasinski... On Krasinski Gate, if we're gonna call him, <laughs> um, was, um... I didn't like his acting. I... 
it was so stilted. And I know it was like only five lines, but like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I can't get the like, Glenn Howerton and William Jackson Harper out of my head as Reed Richards. That's true. I, I, was, I think that I don't know if it was the, the delivery of the line for me. I think it was just like the content of the line was kind of like it was off putting a few again. Like, I'm always going to say, like, why did you have to sit there and be like, this is black? It was basically like, this is Black Bolt. He speaks with his mouth and it's loud. I advise you don't mess up. That's exactly what it was. Oh my god, you're right. It was very Rick Flag in original Suicide Squad. This is Black Bolt. I advise he can destroy you with his mouth. I advise you don't get killed by him. But um, but but yeah, um this might be something we come back to. Um May maybe in like the year that comes by, maybe we will come back in 2023 and do another one of these like debriefings, postmortems. But only I feel like only if it has gotten better or worse. I feel like yeah. if we are still in the same like stagnant era that we are in right now, um, it does not warrant one of these because we just run out of things to talk about. But like. Mm-hmm. Maybe depending on our, our feelings and our opinions and how things change in the next uh, couple of couple of months, um, we might do another one of these. Um, again, we are recording these. Uh, we're recording this in May, so we are not going to be commenting on Miss Marvel, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, the She-Hulk trailer did drop last week, so we do have like ideas of what that's going to be. But like that mm-hmm. is our current current like fear. Yes. We are we are specifically looking at the period of the MCU that we are in now, from like post Endgame Spider Man Far From Home to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, I'll just I'll just cover the um, phase four what we've all gotten through. I'm gonna try to do it in chronological order of when it came out. So do you want to um, do it? Do you want to do it from memory? Can we? Can you try to do it from memory? Oh, I have the list, but I'm not looking now. I just saw uh, the can, one. Okay. Can can I can I do it from memory? I think yes, I can, can do it from memory. Okay. And I'll 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 fact check you as you go along. All right. Let's yes. hear it. Okay. Um so post end game we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm-hmm. Um nothing came out in 2020. Um so WandaVision is the next thing. Yep. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. Um, Loki? Yes, I think that's right. Yes, Loki, then Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, then What If? Yes. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. Eternals? I think so. I'm trying. You see, they don't put dates here. I'm just trying to go off of memory as well. But yes, yeah, Eternals yeah. was early November. Then so Hawkeye was like, late was like November. A, late November, yeah. right? Yes, yes. Eternals into Hawkeye into Spider Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Um. Then we get nothing for a couple of months, and then Moon Knight and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's impressive. You know what that is? You, you know what that is, everyone? That is uh, 
autism-based hyperfixations. Um. So yeah. Um, that's the list of all. Yes. That's the list of. That's the stuff we're going to be covering today. That, this is what we're going to be covering. Um. So let's. I I think we should start with like the bat, like the state of the world in general, le- as like in like the last couple of years that sort of has like, because I feel like you have to comment on like outside context before mm-hmm. you can like look at the MCU just in general. Because the truth is, the phase four that we're seeing in the MCU right now, this wasn't the original plan. Yes. And the truth, like, the the obvious thing is, COVID really messed that up. Like, you listed um, the order. Oh, yes. What were you saying? Uh, yeah, I was just going to sort of, like, uh, join us flashing back to 2019 for a second. Um, um, one of a... a all right, summer, I guess. Like it was a post Endgame summer. Um, um, Spider Man Far From Home had just come out. Marvel takes the stage at like San Diego Comic Con and uh, the D23 Expo and announces all of these things. Um, you get you get the next couple of like Phase Four films. You get the Black Widow. You get uh, Shang Chi. You get the reveal of the Doctor Strange title. Um, and you get all sorts of other things. And then when Disney comes in and starts promoting Disney Plus, you get the reveal that, oh, for the first time, the MCU is not just going to include movies, but also TV shows and limited series and stuff like that. And moving into like new formats like streaming television and animation and these other things. And they're all going to be canon is what was is what is constantly said they are all going to be interconnected to each other and then you get that tease of like fantastic four is coming and blade is coming those are like the two big things that like end off the comic-con and d23 presentations so, you um, know, coming off of endgame when you're like man how do they even top that that was yeah. so much where, where do they even go from here all of a sudden you have this sensory overload of yeah. all these different projects that they're like you know like kevin feige is like like they're getting everybody on stage and kevin feige is like oh yeah by the way we're making mutant movies coming soon too like just like just like a random like one-off like mutant yeah. fantastic four is coming soon guys don't worry and it's like what like that's just like a one-off thing of you saying that and this is also like, around the time as like the Disney Fox buyout. So like, exactly. so the company like grows even further in like monopoly over intellectual property and they get those rights back. And then like 2020 goes along. Uh, I remember seeing trailers for both Black Widow and Shang-Chi before the pandemic. Really? I wait, is that? Okay, I know we got a Black Widow trailer. Did we get a Shang-Chi trailer? I'm going to look up when the Shang-Chi trailer came out. Uh, um, Shang-Chi trailer. Okay, official teaser, um, April 2021. Okay, never mind. That, my bad. I assumed that that was before the pandemic. I, I remember it was Black Widow because Black Widow was like, it was starting to hit like it's marketing where like, Yes. Okay, Black Widow is coming soon, guys. And then, like, right as it was hitting that is when the world shut down. Shut down for a while. Which, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into that later, but yeah. it's just too bad. And, 
And so we live for for a a good period of time in like this world where like n- none of these things that had been promised were in development. Like everything had to be put on pause. Like I know they had been filming some of the streaming stuff right before mm-hmm. the shutdown. And I know like Shang-Chi had been filming and uh, Spider-Man and I believe Doctor Strange like had all like either been in different phases of production or development. And then those things slowly, slowly start to like come back in like end of summer 2020. And then the next like big event I want to get to is like that Disney Investor Day presentation at like the end of like December 2020. Mm -hmm. And so like in addition to all these other things that they had announced the year before, Kevin Feige just comes up again and announces a deluge of all these other things like well um, also we finally giving also giving some tidbits into what's going to be included into it which we'll talk about which kind of i feel like was setting stuff up to the state we are in now but it was like finally like it was like the littlest bit of like here's how these movies are going to connect here finally some details about all these projects that have been put on hold and then and then in addition to that like announcing um that Christian Bale was going to be gore and uh, like all like the secret secret invasion and Ironheart and guardians three and the holiday special and these other things that like, Oh, Oh my God. We forgot one like super important thing that we, that we kind of have to talk about. Um, Like in between like the comic con and the Disney investor day, we, we lost Chadwick. Right. Which was also, again, like, that's like a huge turning point. And that is going to be a huge turning point in the MCU. Yeah. Like, it was, I, I think, like, this is, like, this, these last couple of years have been, like, the first, like, besides Stan Lee, the first major, like, deaths of the MCU. Because we lost Chadwick. We lost uh, William Hurt, who was uh, General Ross. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. So, like, and I will get to this, but I think, like, planning so far ahead, like, you start to, like, I'm trying to think of the right word. You start to, like, you, you you begin to not account for like random factors of things that could happen. Like there's, and there's other like people involved in the MCU that the world has kind of turned sour towards now for like, I mean, for good reason um, for in some yeah. cases, but like it's a, ma- it's a matter of like, Oh, these things can't like these things aren't like accident proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. And 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 so like the Disney Investor Day comes, and we get all these things. Um, we get the announcement of like the new Black Panther two because of Chadwick's death, mm-hmm. and then um, we get a couple of trailers. We get trailers for the first like few Disney Plus projects. 
um, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and Loki, like Loki. that first those trio like, of projects. Those, yeah, those are the big three projects of like Marvel's big... great return. Yes. And then February 2021 hits. First episode of WandaVision drops. And it is something. It is like nothing anyone had expected from the MCU. And I don't know about you, Sam, but like that got me reinvested, I think. Because post like Endgame, I was like, oh, so all of these things are getting announced. Like, are any of the it, I, I personally felt like, oh, it feels like they're stretching themselves a bit too thin with all of these different projects. And, like, mm-hmm. I felt that way up until, like, WandaVision. Like, you guys like... And oh. I... I was the exact opposite. It was... It ended, and Endgame happened, and after it, I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? What, like, bring me the new generation of heroes. Like, I want all of it. I do not care who you're bringing in. Like, ha- get me re- like, help me, like, find the love that I found for these characters who I didn't really know anything about before. Help me find that love again for these new characters. And absolutely. Yeah. And so like when you were like, Oh, I'm like getting reinvested in WandaVision. I'm like, I was like counting down those days to WandaVision. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then I I was like, let's go. I remember because I remember, um, if you, if you're okay with me spilling this fact, I remember, um, you would host WandaVision Fridays for a while um, where you where you and a bunch of people, a bunch of our friends would get together and watch like the new episode, like early Friday morning. Yeah, those are some those are some late night. There was like and like I'd always be putting pressure. To be like, OK, we, we have to watch like all the ones beforehand. And then like we're all caught up. So like we watched like the first three episodes, like probably about 10 times. Yeah. And, Dude, and, and I. Yeah, and because I didn't start watching until like episode four. Like I remember being like, I remember you running up to me and being like, "Hey, you have you been watching this? You have to." And like, I think that is like the the good the a really good thing about these like streaming series is like the one episode a week sort of thing, and like Mm -hmm. because like. I think so many of us were used to like the Netflix formula where it was like everything comes out at once, watch it all in one day, forget about it in a couple of days. And like the weekly episodes, like it built suspense. It it was like cable TV and network TV again. Like you had something you were able to talk about with people every week. Exactly. And I will not lie, I really hated that format because I was like, I need to figure out what is going on like right now or I'm going to lose my mind. So let's let's talk about like those first couple of episodes of WandaVision for a second, because like. That and a couple other examples are like what I want more of from the MCU, where they just get a group of creative people in a room and let them do whatever the fuck they want. And mm-hmm. because episodes one through three of WandaVision felt so unlike anything else in the MCU to the point where I was like, 
oh, I am completely invested if this is the direction you're going to be going in for everything. And then, like, I still felt that throughout the, a lot of WandaVision, but then there were parts where, like, the government agents plot started to take over more and more of the episodes, and I was like, I, I don't want to see this. I just want to see weird, creepy sitcom remakes. And, like, that... That was the stuff that I was interested in rather than, like, continuing on this story of, like, the wider world. Exactly. And I think that, hmm, I'm trying to figure out the best way I want to put it. Because it got everybody invested. And it's like, I think this is a little side note. I think what I love so much about the Disney Plus MCU TV shows, I know everybody has opinions on them, and I could go through and tell you what I love about each individual one and everything I hate about each individual one, which I probably will do in this episode, maybe. But I think what I loved and I knew about this going into it, and it was so cool to see it unfold, is that because it's on Disney's streaming service, because it's kind of like a Disney-controlled release, it's a Disney-controlled thing, they allowed, they allowed more risks to be taken in the MCU shows. They allowed it to, to try to expand into these random, you know, like these topics and these, and, and these, and these like themes and these formatting and like the style of the shows in a way that like no MCU film had done because the MCU up until this point, I'll be, like it played it very safe. It was mm. here's your standard action movie with this. Here you go. Take it. I think probably the one where like sometimes where they started to kind of get away from that, you know, Ant-Man was a heist movie and it was very clear it was yeah. a heist movie. You know, Homecoming was, like, supposed to be, like, the John Hughes, like, teenager film. But a lot of it, you know, it played it very safe because it, it's a film. It's, like, a, it's a movie being put in movie theaters. They can't, they don't have a whole lot of room to be taking risks. And then yeah. once they got into the TV shows, it allowed them to take more risks where they're able to do this crazy, like, dance through the decades of WandaVision. And... I think we should sort of just lump those first three shows kind of in a general category here right now. I think the best way to do this whole episode is sort of like go about like each sort of like individual project and then like if and then and then see how it connects to this wider picture. So with like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, WandaVision and Loki, like you got three different tones and genres and aesthetics. And I, it felt like comics again. It felt like you didn't, you didn't have to get the same thing every single time. Like you got weird, creepy sitcom horror in WandaVision. You got a great like political thriller in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And you mm -hmm. got something, I don't even know how I can describe like the genre of Loki I think it was also that mystery thriller but in a different way in a different way you know falcon the winter soldier was like a political th thriller that like or like a buddy cop adventure thriller and yet and then you know like i don't even know how to describe loki kevin feige described it in a way and i don't remember how he described it but it was 
it was its own thing. It was very, it was, and each of these shows was so unique. But I, I, I do think we have to talk about some of the faults with these three, because I think there are faults. Every Marvel show and every Marvel thing has had flaws. I don't want it to think that like every MCU thing has been absolutely perfect. Have I loved most MCU things that come out? Oh, 100%. I will sit there and like the worst of the worst Marvel movies and be like, yeah, man. Yeah, I love this. You are not talking to two shills here. We can enjoy these things and still realize that there are flaws. And I think one of the biggest flaws in all of like the Disney Plus series is the episode length in terms of like how long the seasons are because all but one of these shows well okay two if you count what if but i never finished what if um um but you didn't miss much. oh yeah i know um <laughs> but all of these shows except like two were six episode limited series mm-hmm. and you started to see a formula going in. You started to see a formula going in where, like, the first episode is really... The first and second episodes are, like, great, like, introductions to the worlds. And, like, you start to really vibe with it and, you st- and you're really starting to be along with the ride. And it sort of dips with episode three a little bit, usually. I'm I'm sort of counting Falcon and the Winter Soldier as an exception because I feel like that follows a really good arc throughout. But but then like after like the episode 3 dip, there is the episode 4, which in literally every case has always ended with like some shocking twist or a big reveal or a very important cameo and and so we, you get this, and then episode five is usually always just a weird, like, recovery point from that. I was actually gonna, I was realizing this as I think, I feel like episode five is always, like, the emotional interlude. It's like a, yes. it's like a pause. It's like, let's take a time, everybody stop what you're doing, look at this character. Look at this character and what they've gone through, look at this character of what they're dealing with. And it's like it's like a preparation. It feels like you can kind of like take a deep breath because you know you're just gonna get all character and all focus before you jump headfirst into yeah. the finale. Yeah, and then the finale, which is, which usually includes some moment where you're like, "Oh, holy shit, that was awesome," but then something where you're like, "Oh, this is kind of disappointing," and why does it have to end here with this? It's kind of, I feel like for a lot of the MCU shows, there's are, there are a few exceptions. It's, it's left with like a, okay, like, yeah, they, they finished it. Like, the plot line's concluded. But you're just kind of left with like a, okay. Like, yeah, it what now? Like, exactly. I, now? yeah, I think for like all of them... WandaVision is the only, like, live-action one that had, like, a nine-episode arc. And mm-hmm. even then, I feel like one more, at least one more episode was needed. 
-hmm. I think if all of these were nine to ten episodes each, I think they would be I think the opinions on them would be a lot more favorable because I think trying to condense that much into into like six episodes is difficult and it's hard it's it's hard like i have like studied writing for tv and i it's it's a difficult thing to like break into that structure especially with like prestige dramas and shows like that feel like the format of this because mm-hmm. like I, I kind of do want to draw some comparisons to like the other Marvel TV projects. Um, that's right. The Daredevil boys are back. Um, Let's go. Um, but I specifically want to talk about Daredevil and Legion. Have you seen Legion, Sam? I have not. I think I should pick it up because I've heard. I heard it was. Was it good? I heard it was good. Oh my god! It was so good. Um. Okay. Um, I think, well, okay, my personal opinion, Moon Knight tried to do things that Legion got so well, mm-hmm. and I think Legion succeeds because it had a lot more time and a lot more breathing room to develop these things, and Daredevil as well. And mm-hmm. I think the major difference is, like, I was doing some research on this, the, the Marvel Disney Plus shows don't have showrunners. They don't have someone in charge of, like, the grand scheme of, like, where the story is gonna go who can, like, lead a writer's room like that. They have head writers. They have, like, writer's rooms. But they don't have strict showrunners. Like, I I remember watching one of, like, the documentaries. I think the WandaVision one where it was, like, the creator and the head writer sort of like split the show running duties, which, but then all those decisions also get filtered through like the corporate committees and stuff. And like, I think you were seeing the vision of one person distilled through so many other people's lenses. Hmm. That's super interesting. I did not realize there was not a showrunner. I definitely thought there was. And I guess that um, makes sense, you know, because, yeah. you know, they've had this whole idea throughout it where it's like, we're going to treat this like you're watching a movie, like you're watching a movie, this, this, that. But then it's like they hand off the directing duties to, you know, to a bunch of different directors. Yeah. And that's super interesting that there's not a showrunner. Hmm. Um, hold on. I think. I think there might be there is. I'm trying to figure out who the showrunners on, like, Legion and Daredevil were. Um, so Noah Hawley is credited as the creator. Um, I... Okay. It's somewhere in this Wikipedia article. Um, but I think I want, I, I want to talk about, like, Legion... Ep- season 1 was 8 episodes, Season 2 was 11 episodes, and Season 3 was 8 episodes. Like, I think even with I believe all those episodes ran around like the same like length as the MCU projects, if not longer. Mm -hmm. So like, I think longer episode lengths and longer seasons is like the big solution here. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think it's interesting. Sorry. I had to look up the showrunner thing and 
because it does there are terms for showrunners like they do label some of the people as showrunners but i think right. you're right in that where it's it's just like these are just like the writers where like it, the head writer is also filtered like, yeah it's filtered through like so many different committees and mm-hmm. offices and things and then like feige and victoria alonzo and like all like the standard mcu producers have to like put their stamp on it and such mm-hmm. i think it's also interesting because, well, I do agree that, like, I wish we had more time with some of these ideas and some of these concepts and some of these characters. It's also, like, I really, I respect the idea Kevin Feige put out where he's like, when we do this, we're going to have two ways we do it. It's either going to be nine or ten 30-minute episodes or six about an hour-long episodes. Like yeah. a standard thing because they are, they're, they're juggling so many projects and they're trying to do so many shows that it could be very easy to get lost in like with the production and the budget of it. Yeah. And I think we'll have to see. I don't know if you do, do you watch Stranger Things Jackson? Um I admire what Stranger Things is doing. I could never get into it. Un- I, understandable. I respect I it. think es- okay. Let's side tangent about Stranger Things for a hot minute. Um, I think on paper, Stranger Things seems like the perfect show for me, Jackson Heyman. Like Mm -hmm. it's heavily inspired by Stephen King and like old Spielberg movies and Amblin movies. Yeah, it's set in like the 80s. It has some of my favorite performers of all time. Um, David Harper, Winona Ryder, Sean Astin, um, and and it's like this weird horror that like draws in like Dungeons and Dragons I- I- iconography, but I don't know. Like maybe I have to give it another shot. I think there there's something just I don't know. Like I could never get into it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we should move on from this like block of TV shows for a second. I, then... I was I was just gonna say the point I was making. I brought up Stranger Things because they just released the episode count yes. title. Yes, and it. I think this next season is gonna be about nine episodes, and each episode, the shortest amount of time is almost an hour and thirty minutes. Yeah, they're releasing like episodes one through seven at one point. And then episodes two through nine are both like two hours long. And so I'm really interested to see what happens because some like the truth is there is a possibility you spend too much time with characters. Yeah. Like these are those are feature lengths almost, but pretty much. So I'm interested to see what they do with Stranger Things to see if it could work. And maybe Marvel can even look at it and be like, maybe we have to readjust our approach and give yeah. more time to these characters. Which I, which we will circle back to, because okay. um, next is um, the Black Widow movie. Came come, came out comes out in July of twenty twenty one. Sam, did you see Black Widow in theaters? I did see Black Widow in theaters. I also. Was, I feel so bad for the Black Widow movie. Yeah, I think. It just, it was, we took too long to tell Natasha's story. And so when we're seeing it for the first time, it's like, it, it almost, it, it didn't, it's not that it felt like unnecessary because there were necessary parts that like, 
the truth is, I like will always say this. I feel like it was more of a Yelena movie than it was a Natasha movie. Which, I think when you when I look at it through that lens, it's more like okay, like yeah, that like I yeah I can enjoy that. I I enjoyed it. I liked it. I just think it like not only is it telling a character story who has already died, but also the fact that it felt like all of the air got taken out of it once yes. COVID hit and the movie was put on pause. I was just um, about to say because if it had come out like the summer after Endgame. I think we would have been able to, like... I think more people would have loved this movie. Mm-hmm. But because we sat for two years with, like, the big reveal that Natasha dies in Endgame, I think everyone sort of just got used to it. I was like, oh, the, oh this came out. Oh, And the this other happened. thing was, and this is from my... I, I, read, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but I read a lot of spoilers. A lot mm-hmm. of Marvel movies, I go in already knowing what's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. Like, I personally really love it. I think it's a lot of fun to see, like, oh, I was reading about this. Look at how it unfolds in front of me. Um, but the truth is, like, me aside, this movie was, like, already shown to a bunch of people before yeah. it, before the shutdown. Like, it and was so it was pretty plot. much finished before... Exactly. Yeah. Like... Like it had been shown to some test audiences, it was starting to have like some early releases where like some people got exclusive access to see it, and most people already knew the plot of it. Yeah, and so like there were some twists in it, but they weren't that big. It wasn't that big, you know. Like the twist. Yeah. The my one criticism with the Black Widow movie is Taskmaster. That's that's the biggest criticism you can draw of the movie. Mm-hmm. It. It's it was it was unfortunate. I understand for like the setting of the movie, and I think the MCU was really good. I think they could backtrack it and be like, you know, the Taskmaster initiative was inspired by the actual Taskmaster who's yeah. still out there, kind of running around. But the truth is, from the story, I understand how it makes sense. I couldn't. It was it was disappointing to see that's the way Taskmaster was portrayed. I I do also feel like. Like, this is one of those those egregious examples of, like, really poor visual effects on Marvel's hand. Um, there's that one scene that gets clowned so much on Twitter. The one that's, like, where, like, Yelena is, like, in the air and it's entirely green screened. And then there, there was that story of how, like, even the bar scene was filmed on, like, a blue screen set. Where, like... I think Marvel, this can be another point for later. I think Marvel's running into a CG problem. And I think, again, I think if you look at the way Marvel is operating right now, they are pumping out like movie after movie after movie after movie after project. I understand how like it's so much easier to just throw it on a green screen. But like it, it's starting to become a problem. I think this is a good place to sort of talk about this because in case we don't get to it later. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The crunch. There is a definite crunch environment, it seems like, going on with Marvel Studios and the MCU. And, um, Sam, you play video games. I'm sure you know about, like, some of these studios that have, like, really been abusive to their employees in terms of, like, trying to push something out to a specific release date and Mm -hmm. making them work, like, 19-hour days and stuff and, like really just being awful to their employees. 
And I don't think like I I don't think we're there with Marvel yet. Mm-mm. But like you can definitely start to tell that like things are getting rushed and things are getting sort of just like pumped out like a factory assembly line. Which again could be also attributed to COVID because now they have to catch up on all this content they promised. And so hopefully now that we're kind of getting through like the COVID stuff and we're starting to get to the point where like the stuff that was supposed to, when they had planned, okay, this movie's going to go into pre-production on this date. Now it's actually the point where it's like this, the date is that pre-production start is actually going to be the date. We don't have to push you back anymore. Yeah. I think starting in 2023, I think we will start to see like the wave of stuff that was developed at the start of the pandemic and like started filming once like Hollywood opened up again. Mm-hmm. Like that that is what I think we're about to see. Um uh I should we move on to I don't have anything to say about what if. Uh, Sam, do you have anything to say about what if? Again, I I mentioned the kind of fan I am. I, I, I'll be honest, like, I liked What If. I thought it was fun. And I didn't, like, I just kind of, like, I kind of removed it, everything that I knew about the MCU. Yeah. In order to enjoy it, it was just kind of like, I'm going to sit down and see what would happen if Tony Stark and Killmonger were friends. And I watched and I was like, hmm, that's what would have happened. Cool. Okay. Next episode. I, I do have one thing to say. Yes. I don't like that it all connected at the end. I did, I... I, I haven't seen those later episodes, but I think the best part of it was like the anthology aspect of it, where you could where anything and everything could happen and none of it was going to matter next week. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they go down that route in season two because they are doing another season of it. Yes, because there were episodes like one of the best episodes in it. Um, the best episode in it was Doctor Strange. What if Doctor oh, yeah. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? That was a fantastic episode. But I think another episode that people will forget about that I really liked was the episode where Hank Pym kills everybody. Oh, yeah, that was that was rad as hell. And I think I wish the MCU's treatment of Hank Pym is something I have. I, I could talk about for an entire episode because I think they try to good guyify Hank Pym too much. When in the comics, he isn't. He's not a good guy. Oh, I love like you, the... Michael Douglas. Hank Pym is. I I don't know what I'm allowed to say on here. Um, he beat his wife. Let's just say it. He he, he beat he, his, he wife. his wife. Um, of he the trio of the trio of like Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Hank Pym. Hank people, Pym was the worst. Yeah, people think that Tony Stark is like the worst. And they specifically like cite Civil War and like that era of Tony Stark a lot, which, yes, it's bad. It sucks. And like Reed Richards wasn't doing that great either at that time. But like. There is like a spectrum and like Reed is right here. Uh, Tony is in the middle and Hank's all the way on the other side in terms of like how awful you are as a person because it felt like there were like these like four stories it was like tony stark is acting this way because of this and he's acting like this for this period of time the truth is hank pym was always like very subtly like a jerk and a terrible person very subtly yeah and i'm really i'm really glad like when i first was because re- i knew little about like i knew marvel comics 
And so I was so upset, like, why isn't Hank Pym Ant-Man? And looking back, I'm like, that's probably the it's it's the best thing for the MCU to focus on Scott Lane instead of trying to again go even more extreme and to goodify Hank Pym. It's it's literally insane how both how in the comics Scott Lang is the only good Ant-Man. There have been three Ant-Men, Scott, Hank Pym, I know what you're about and, to say. And Eric fucking O'Grady. What a fuck. Hey, as, as always, I'm going to plug recommended requests. If you want to pay us to talk about Eric O'Grady um, and how much I hate him, um, Venmo. I I, I, he's, he's OK, if you if it's for payment. Yeah, Venmo, Venmo yeah. Jackson. Venmo at Mythonomica-Productions. Um, if you want to hear us air our grievances about a- the Eric O'Grady Ant-Man. We should have, there should be an episode where we just hate on, like, the worst characters in comic history. We could do, like, a Razzies for, like, <laughs> awful comic book characters. Um, I'll, it's going on the list. I want to, as I said, I want to do more, like, non, like, I want to still do, like, story covering episodes. But, like, mm-hmm. I want to do more, like just talking about comics media in general. Yeah. So that, that'll that be on the list. That'll definitely be on the list. Um, um, but yeah, so moving out of What If, uh, we come to Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I think it's in my top five of the MC. I think it's in my top three of the MCU projects that have like happened oh. since 2021. Yes. In I... terms... In terms of being a wholly original and unique side of the MCU that we hadn't seen yet, it hits all the marks. I love Simu. I think what this movie did was it took the most obscure, like the, not obscure. Shang-Chi was not obscure, but it took one of like the, because again, like where there's Shang, there's also Iron Fist, and more people know Iron Fist than Shang-Chi. And they took Shang-Chi, this character who didn't have that much of a backstory, who did who would pop up every time he popped up in a comic, he was next to Iron Fist, which Iron Fist, that's a that's a different story. I don't know how I feel about Iron. I used to like I, him, but So, okay. Um you if if anyone isn't reading the current Iron Fist series right now, um have you have you been reading this? It I haven't been reading it, but I knew what they did, and I was like, thank yeah. God, that makes they, so much sense. They give the title of the Iron Fist back to an Asian character, and they move Danny Rand away from the main character to, like, a mentor figure. Which, and and I feel it, it follows his, like, it, Danny Rand's, like, big inner conflict. It was like, it's, should he keep doing this? Should he like be the symbol of this like mystical East Asian city? But I think he shouldn't. He shouldn't. I, he, shouldn't. he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Um, I think Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings could have easily been an Iron Fist movie if you think about it. Um, swap out like Talo for uh, Kun Lun. Um. You can still have the Mandarin if you wanted, but like just like make it like connected more to like Danny Rand's story. But they, the right decision was made by not doing that. And what they did instead was they took a character that didn't have as much history, and they decided to, they they just added, they added, and they like 
created a whole new character that now Marvel Comics should be thanking them. They, because now they have a bunch of story ideas and now they can integrate Shang-Chi more into the comic universe with like genuine story and actual character that just isn't based off of Asian stereotypes. Yeah. Because that's what Shang-Chi was. For the longest time. Um, and I think, I think it does, I think the best retcon in all of MCU history in terms of like the stuff with the Mandarin, because I love Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3. I love Iron Man 3 too. Iron Man, so 3 is, Iron Man 3 is one, another one of those MCU movies that feels wholly its own thing. And I don't hate the twist about the Mandarin, but I like what they did in Shang-Chi where they take this thing that only happened in the MCU and not in the comics and use that to drive a new character to the forefront. And I thought that, I think it was great. I, and it was also just a fun movie that had its own style. Like that is what I, that is what I feel like a lot of the MCU TV projects were missing. Like its own unique style. Like, Tone can feel however you want, but style is a completely different thing. I completely agree. I I need to rewatch it because it's I, been too long. I do too. Speaking of movies that have their own style, I am going to say some hot takes. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I don't hate Eternals. Damn right, Jackson. I don't hate Eternals. Like, could it have been better? Yes. Yeah. It, so Jackson and I, Jackson and I had a bunch of conversations about Eternals following it. Um, Eternals, I don't understand. I'll be honest. I don't understand the hate. I understand how the movie could be better. And you could say this movie could have been better. I don't understand how you can just straight up hate it. I think it was too far. In, in some cases, it was too far of a stylistic departure from everything else in the MCU. It was a lot slower paced. The mm -hmm. action scenes weren't as poppy. There wasn't as much quips. It focused a lot on like character stuff and like, and really just like building out this mythology. My biggest criticism is that the visual style was too similar to um, some of the Marvel projects in terms of, like, color. And I have a huge problem with the MCU and color. Like, everything felt so muted and gray and beige. The only people who have decided to go away, the only people, the, whoever, the, who are carrying the color of Marvel on their back, and it's not much color. The only people carrying the color of Marvel on their back is Taika Waititi and James Gunn. Those I, are the only two. Can I also throw Sam Raimi in? Can I also... And throw, you can throw can, in Sam Raimi now. Can I throw Sam Raimi, but singularly the color red? Um, yes. The mm -hmm. way Sam Raimi uses red in Multiverse of Madness... Fuck. 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 God, okay, we'll get to it. But visually, that movie is one of the coolest looking things I've ever seen. But every time I try to think about the story, I get so frustrated. Um, but okay. We'll get in. Yeah. Eternals. I love 
what Chloe Zhao does. I think she she made something wholly her and wholly unique. I don't think she's going to come back. I don't think like she's going to be given another MCU project. Which makes me sad. Because I mean, I, I, I think I, Kevin Feige expressed how he would want it want her back. But I I, I don't I, think so either. Yeah. It was I Marvel's think... it was Marvel's first like essentially it was Marvel's first like on Rotten Tomatoes. It was Marvel's like first flop. Yeah. And it I've always felt like so because Eternals isn't a like series or comic that I have been like super knowledgeable about. But in terms of but in terms of like my love of Jack Kirby and cosmic sci-fi epics like i i loved that that's what we could have been getting in the mcu this crazy epic that i feel like kind of failed to deliver in what i wish could have happened i think if you had given this movie like the visual style of multiverse of madness i think you could have had a epic move an epic fantastic movie yeah, I think um, so too. And I'm also just sad that we live in a world where we got this, but we didn't get Ava DuVernay's New Gods because oh my gosh. the Eternal, the Eternals, and the New Gods are very similar in terms of like space gods and coming to Earth and stuff, and like how that all works. But like we got this, and it faltered and it failed, and we could have. And I feel like. The, the cancellation happened before Eternals was released, but like we could have lived in a world where we got both. And I feel so sad that we don't live in that world. I think it's kind of sad because I, I want to see the Eternals characters again. And yeah. I don't know if we will. Like one I, of my favorite character additions in the MCU, specifically from that movie was Makari and Druig. I thought those, those are my two favorite Eternals in the movie. Yeah. They were one of they were two of the ones who got like the lesser of the attention in the movie. Yeah, but I re- I I loved their dynamic. I loved the powers. I love the actress of Makari. She is. Oh fantastic. my god, Laura! I have been a fan of Lauren Ridloff since she was on Broadway in Children of a Lesser God. Hmm, I and um, Sam, I will send you that play. It's it's really good. Um, but um, sh- yeah. Also, remember where Harry Styles was in this movie? Oh my gosh, Harry They're going to bring back Harry Styles' character because... Do you think they're going to follow up on Eros on Star Fox? Do you... Do you think we're going to... I think they will for the fans. Personally, I don't want to because in the comics, Star Fox is another one of those really terrible characters. Yep, little uh, little rapey. Um, exactly. And so, um, again, it's they put Harry Styles' face on it, so everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, look at this!" And it's like, "Yeah, Marvel, you didn't have to bring this character in because I, I do think though that like the way Eternals ended with like them in space and like Eros and Pip the Troller there, I think we are about to sort of see like. 
the Marvel cosmic stuff is going to be off in its own little world for a while. I think like, Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to see the guardians interact with anyone on earth for the time being. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they, if they interact with anyone, it'll be like Harry Styles and Patton Oswalt as Pip the troll. Um, but yeah, moving on to Hawkeye. Now, about six months ago, Sam and I sat here um, and discussed uh, Daredevil and our possible excitement that he and Kingpin would be coming to the MCU. And I literally the the we recorded that episode on a Tuesday. The mm-hmm. next morning, like the Kingpin reveal drops in Hawkeye. Exactly. And it was it was fantastic. It was so I liked it. But I also feel like this sort of comes in with like another problem I have with the MCU Disney Plus shows. The surprise villain twist. Yes. That is that is a problem that has been persistent. I think for Kingpin it'll be a little different because look, there's no way he's actually dead. If you think he's yeah. dead, I don't know what to tell you. So I think I'm hoping I don't want to bank with time, but I think in time we'll be able to look back and be like, okay, that wasn't like. I think right now because that's the only Kingpin we got, and then he's just gone. He's supposedly gone right away. We're kind of yeah. like, it's like the classic villain revealed at the end trope. I I think what I think should have been done was rather than introduce him in episode five and make episode six all about him, he should have been the post credits tease for episode six. I think we should have I think we should have just stuck with the tracksuit mafia all the way through and Echo and Yelena and then throw it but then throwing in Kingpin just added so much and added like you expected so much more mm-hmm. so, so like, i think you, I, you don't have to tamper with the fans expectations which we will get into but i we think will get into also it could have set up you know because there's the the end of hawkeye the the scene with echo and kingpin is ripped straight out of the comics and yes. i think it would have been more fun to instead of having that be th- it felt rushed where it was like they're doing this yeah intent it like that scene probably would have fit better at the end of the upcoming echo tv show yes with an uncredited scene now of kingpin's not actually dead and now he's blind and then you get another segue into the daredevil tv show that is now yeah. coming out which was released which was announced yeah. this week yes it was announced this week um but yeah i that is like my biggest like thing with hawkeye like in terms of like how it adds to this bigger picture. I think that's where like that. That's where like the surprise villain twist really just like, Oh, here it is. Cause like with Agatha Harkness, I thought it was fun. I think because we had seen Catherine Han, like there for the entire series for all of WandaVision. I think it was, we got to be with her and then she's like, Mm -hmm. surprise, I'm evil. Ha ha. And I, I loved it. I, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier was very consistent with their yeah. villain. I think you, you could maybe make an argument about the reveal at the end that Sharon was the power broker, but that wasn't the focus of the story. She's not, like, not the, the main yeah. villain. And also John Walker was much more of a villain, too, or an antagonistic force. Um, mm-hmm. But, and then with, 
Loki again, you get the Kang reveal in episode six, which again, I think Kingpin and Kang, they both came out of nowhere. Like, I think both like seemed justified in like the theorizing and stuff like could exist, could have happened. But like they both came out of nowhere and their appearances were so rushed. Mm hmm. This is no and again like and maybe yeah. maybe in three years from now when Kane's story concludes or we have like a more consistent Kingpin, we'll look back and be like, oh okay, that wasn't worth like getting yeah. so oh about. But this is yeah. we're dealing with right now. And right You're... now it feels like you kind of just brought this in and then ended it just as quickly, and now we're left with, okay, what? Kind of yeah. like kind of like with a certain speedster in WandaVision. Oh yeah, quick fucking Evan Peters too. Um, yeah, like that, I'm sorry, that broke me. That day I watched it, it broke me when they looked and said, "You're Ralph Boner." I sat there and I said, "I cannot believe this." Just I was banging the entire series, and maybe that's why I don't look back. I look back not too fondly on Wandavision. Maybe it's because of Evan Peters' Quicksilver. Yeah. But I, I, I sit, I, I like, I wanted to cry. I was so upset that he was not in it. Like, I, I cried. I, a, t- a single tear came down my face when she opened the door and Evan Peters was there. I, I remember texting you, like, the night before the WandaVision finale dropped. Or, like, the night before the Ralph Boner reveal dropped. Um, I remember texting you. You think in this episode we're going to get a Quicksilver scene a la Days of Future Past and Apocalypse? And then we didn't. I was I was so confident, too. I was, like, trusting this this leaker who was, like, Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit. And and this is a whole other point we're going to get into later. We will we will get to we will get to fair. I think what we're going to do is we will move past Big Spider-Man and move into Moon Knight for a second. But then okay. we will like do Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in the same like breath because this is where like the big point sort of comes in. Our big like our, our big, one of our big grievances that we haven't really aired yet. Yes. Okay. Um so moving on. Let Moon Knight. Yeah, let's talk about Moon Knight. Again, I think this is one of those episode. This one of those series that like falls into the six episode formula because mm. episode two, one and two, I was hooked. I was so into this. I was like, oh, my God, this is how we're doing it. This is the style that I've always wanted. And then episode three sort of dips. It focuses a lot on like the Egyptian gods and stuff. And mm. And then it becomes like an Indiana Jones treasure hunt at the beginning of episode four. And then the episode four reveal where he is in the psychiatric hospital. And when I saw this, I thought it was like, oh, the entire show is going to flip on its head. None of what we had seen in the previous previous three episodes was real. This is what's real. Mm -hmm. And then episode five for as great as the character development was really like kind of disappointed me when I found out that like, Oh, this is all magical and mythological and not this and not what I had wanted. I feel like, I think when, if I had one grievance about the moon Knight show, it's one of my favorite 
MCU shows. It, I, 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 I wish they could have played more with that whole psyche. Because I feel like yeah. even after the show ended, I was like, okay, yeah, it was all in his head, but why did we revisit it again at the end? Yeah. And then he came out. Like, it was, there was yeah. still some confusing point that I wish had a little more clarity. For, for all its faults, I think it's in the top five of, like, the MCU projects that have, like, happened um, since 2021. I have a lot of problems with it. I think, but I think I can forgive those faults because I enjoyed what they set up. And I think the character is so interesting. And I think Oscar Isaac did an incredible job. I'm just going to quick air some of my grievances. Um, Go right ahead. Um, a lot of like, obviously, well, I'm not Jewish, but I have seen a lot of criticism from Jewish people about how Mark's Judaism was handled throughout the show and uh-huh. how it could have done a lot more with representation. Um, there's the, I mean, the mental illness stuff, obviously I think it handles the DID interestingly, like it takes a respectful approach to it, but then they still do the twist of the evil third altar with Jake Lockley. I think also this is the series, this is the MCU series that could have benefited from a 10 episode season the most mm-hmm. because I would have loved to spend at least like three episodes in episode one world where that is the entire like we are fl- flipping between real life dreams, but are, that are also real life as sort of like. And on one hand, Stephen works during the day to uncover this mystery, and then we see Mark a lot more at night. I I wish we could have seen. I, I another thing is like I wish we could have seen more of Mark, co- independent from Stephen. Mm-hmm. As much as I thought, because I love the change they made to Stephen Grant being yes, like I love I loved I love the approach they took to it. How they because again, like going into it, I was under the impression Mark is going to be the person we're focusing on this entire series. Yeah, no, and I we really like Steven. Steven was the main character of this of the show. Yeah, I one thing about Jake Lockley that I will say I liked that he's a limo driver. I thought that was really fun that there was a long li- white limousine with Spectre on the license plate. I know. And he also spoke Spanish. I thought that was cool too. Yeah, I think. All right. Again, yeah, yeah. Do you have one more? Anything else to say about Moon Knight? Yeah, I'll just say I hope I, the problem I have too with Moon Knight right now is his future is very up in the air. Everyone's kind yes. of been like, we we don't know what's gonna happen. No, we don't really know. I and I Oscar think... Isaac makes it, makes it seem like well, it was just the series. We're not doing anything else besides yeah. the series. I think there's a common theme of like, um. Hold on. Why, why am I Shang Chi? <laughs> why did I blank mm. on Shang Chi? Um, Kate Bishop, um, Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, Jake Lockley, like the common the and and Druig and Makari and the Eternals crew, mm-hmm. where like their futures are so uh, and Dane Whitman because yeah Dane Whitman too yeah. in Eternals, um, all of their futures are so up in the air that we don't know when they're coming back. 
because like it obviously seems like they've been pushing the Wanda stuff and the Doctor Strange stuff for the last couple of months. So I don't know when these other people are coming back. Which I think is a problem that they should yes. address because again, they're introducing all of these characters. They're, and it's they're like, in- you're not giving an explanation as to what you, you make it you you're opening it up for a lot like like Layla, the, the Scarlet Scarab. Yeah. You you introduce all these characters, but now it, the Kevin, do you know what you're gonna do with them? Yeah. What are you what is the either because I feel like this is okay, I will say this here because I think I we don't have a place to say here. For as much as we love to say the Infinity Saga is like this massive sprawling epic that has like hundreds of main characters, there are two main characters. Steve yes. Rogers and Tony Stark. And Tony Stark. Yep. And their plots really drove the main through line of the first 10 years of the MCU forward. And now that they are both dead post Endgame, we have all these other characters popping up and running around and trying to running around with like chickens with their heads cut off. And and like there is no central through line anymore. So what's the point if all of these are supposed to be interconnected? Exactly. And so, again, I have to trust Kevin Feige. I have to trust that he knows what he's doing and he has a plan yes. for all of it. It's, it's, gonna, it's, it's hard for me to see it right now. Who knows? Maybe in 10 years, 15 years, we'll look back and be like, wow, he is such a genius. Yeah. And again, because you, you do have to think about it. When it came to like the Infinity Saga, when it was first happening, we didn't know all this. Like We knew like, this stuff was going to, like, something might happen. But like I'm pretty sure like it was reasonable where we were like, this is all gonna connect, but like yeah, we didn't really know what we didn't really know what was going on. I and so I my my opinion, I sort of wish like I sort of wish that the MCU would become a lot more a bit it's becoming more like the comics, whereas like there's so much going on that you are having fatigue and trouble to get to keep keep up with everything. But I think like where the comics industry, where the Marvel comics like really hits its stride is that there are individual stories that don't connect to anything else. And I think we are seeing some of that where like, cause Moon Knight didn't really connect to anything and Shang-Chi kind of connected to things, but like not much. I, f- I think, I think like you have to have one, you have to, you can't have, everything connects to each other or nothing connects to each other. You can't have both. You, you have to either commit to one or you have to like start spreading things out a bit more because I am okay with like the occasional major big crossover, but I, I would hope that like not everything has to build on the last thing. Exactly. Because again, it becomes, yeah, like, it becomes that, reliant, and like I don't want, I, I like personally, yeah. I don't want to see the MCU rely on two characters to drive the whole next. Yeah, fit. you know what I mean. I but again, I would just I, I, I would like to see more things like Moon Knight, where it doesn't have to connect, 
and someone who hasn't seen all the MCU can just step in and watch this and enjoy it. I honestly, I feel like they do a good job at that. We're like, they do I'll a good job at it with like with with poor, with some, I think. I feel like you could you could have done it with Hawkeye. You could just kind of jump in, watch it, and then be like, okay. Except for like the big kingpin thing and the Yelena thing, I think. Yeah. I guess you're right. Oh man, it's yeah. harder than I thought it was going to be. Um. But yeah, that's time? like we. Got, I think we got to talk about it. We have. We got. 20-ish minutes left on, on the recording time, so I we gotta. Alright, everybody. So before... We're gonna talk about ago, we're gonna talk about I the three Spider-Men. I had I put out a couple months ago that I had a theory. I had a theory about the MCU and why it's felt so boring. And I was gonna look into it. I was gonna try to see what I could figure out. And it ties directly into the MCU Spider-Man. I was gonna call it the WandaVision theory, but after more reading and watching and re-watching... I think it's the multiversal effect. The multiverse yep. effect on the MCU, like everything in the MCU, it touches every single corner of the MCU. Specifically this last couple of years. Exactly. And it worked. It, it's the multiverse effect. The truth is when we got, when we announced all this stuff, Kevin Feige was like, multiverse, multiverse, multiverse this. He's like, you're going to see three, you're going to see a big plot line with WandaVision that connects to Doctor Strange, which is going to connect to our new Spider-Man movie. And everyone was like, oh my god, it's going to happen. The multiverse is going to explode wide open. And holy cow, everything's going to go crazy. And you felt it with WandaVision. It mm-hmm. was, it w- WandaVision, as fun as it was in the moment, Looking back, it was insanity. It was, it was, everybody had their own idea of what was going to happen. And it, it, it was so, look, looking back, I was like, that is so much to do. And it, it has, it has made its ripple effect where then it hits Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'll be honest, I think Spider-Man Home, Spider-Man No Way Home is the only one that pulled it off. Because it did what the fans asked. They said, bring us all three Spider-Men. And they did. I also think, not only the three Spider-Men, but also the other, but also Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina, um, Thomas Hayden Church, technically, (laughs) um, Risa fans, um, Mm -hmm. also, they were so close to a Sinister Six. They could have just. You could have put. You could have put it one more person. Are you serious? You could have put Paul Giamatti in here. You could have put Paul. You could have. You did put, not have. You did not have to make. You did not have to take him seriously. You could have. Literally, you could have just had him and then knock him out in the beginning of the fight. Just you could have. You could have put Topher Grace. You could have brought Topher Grace. You could have put Tom Hardy. I. I don't care about the Venom movies, but you could have put Tom Hardy in there. I hope I think we'll eventually see a Sinister Six. I think so too. Like there's um, no way to, you know what I mean. But going yeah, going back to my point, um all those cameos, all those like bringing in actors who have previously played these roles into the MCU, it worked in Spider-Man because like those were so tied closely to the main emotional through line of 
the movie, which was like dealing with grief and loss and redemption and Mm -hmm. trying to save everyone. And what it means to be Spider-Man. Exactly. And I, I think it also worked because I think you could genuinely see how much everyone involved wanted to be there. Because, like, Willem and Alfred were 100% back into it. It felt like it was, like, 2002, 2004 again. It felt like it was a direct continuation of what was going on. And it, was then, like it, was, it felt like they just plucked him out of the movie and just said, here, just, like, say a couple lines in here and go crazy. And then you just let Jamie Foxx just, like, riff. You gotta, you you let him just, like, do whatever he wants. And, like, you gave, him, like, you gave Jamie Foxx a redemption arc. You was he was having so much more fun than he was in Tasm Two, exactly. and then, and then you get the three Peters. You get, I think probably one of the best scenes that the MCU has to offer. Period. That scene where they're all on the roof of the school and talking about loss and the people they've lost and why they keep doing this. And it it was a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite MCU films. The messages are consistent and like it does. The truth is I I do fall victim where it it satisfied myself as a fan. Yes, it was the fan service. But again, like you mentioned, the reason the fan service worked is because it emotionally was consistent with the story. Yes. And so. That's where I and then post that you get all these theories and theorizing and in specific influencers who we are choosing not to name on account of I don't want to get hounded by fans. Um, specific influencers. Throwing out these crazy clickbaity things and random like just random bullshit theories about who we'd see in Multiverse of Madness. And, and like it came to and it came to a point where me, myself, I started realizing I was like, I don't think all these theories are gonna I don't think we're gonna see all these people. None and of I, the- I was I was telling Jackson, I was like, I don't think Multiverse of Madness is gonna focus on who's in the multiverse. It's gonna focus on what's in the multiverse. Yes. I I remember texting you like the couple of days before I saw Doctor Strange being like, I'm scared that this movie is going to be what I thought Spider-Man was going to be. Like it was in terms of cameos and stuff, it was a mess. And. I think like. I, I, I think like um, some of them were justified. But some of them were not. And I think, okay, we just have to talk about the Illuminati. We have to talk, we have to talk about, my biggest problem with Multiverse of Madness is the Illuminati scene. The, like, the 20 minutes we spend on Earth 838, Mm -hmm. specifically with the Illuminati, I, Uh it took me so far out of everything else that we had seen already. Um, specifically, how, like, of the six members of the Illuminati, the only person our Doctor Strange had met was Mordo. Mordo. 
And so, again, it was like in that moment, the fan service was there, but it didn't work the same way because it didn't have that emotional connection to the plot. It yes. caused people to be like, whoa, oh my gosh, John. And even I was like, John Krasinski is Mr. Fantastic. Wow, I can't believe it. Patrick Stewart, yeah. Patrick Stewart's back. They just played the X-Men 90s theme. Yeah. Yeah, like. But at the same, it didn't, you, you could have put anybody there. And the I outcome would have been the same. And everyone I, expected it to be yeah. so much more. I feel it would have worked if, like, it was people that Strange had met or at least heard of. Like, I'm sorry, I'll say it. Tom Cruise's Iron Man. Would have been better. Wanted it it would have been better because it, it was a Tony Stark. It was a. T- it would have been a Tony Stark. We could have had a Loki maybe on the Illuminati. You could have had like a version of Hank Pym. Why was like Reed Richards thrown in as the world's smartest man when again Hank Pym was right there? As and yeah, as as much as I love the cameos, I agree with you, and I think it 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 again it hits this overall problem that the MCU is having right now where people, you know, people I've talked to have been like, I just feel so like bogged down by the MCU and it's like, oh, like I feel like the fatigue, the MCU fatigue and the theory I've realized it's a real thing and the theory that I realized why it's such a problem the truth, the problem right now is the multiverse because again like these influencers, and I was talking to Jackson about, they're jumping from project to project and being like, no, 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 no the thing you're waiting for, that it's, it's coming next time, it's gonna come next time First it was WandaVision. Mm-hmm. WandaVision's going to open it up. Mutants are going to come through. Quicksilver's going to be in it. It's this, this, that, that, that. And then it didn't happen. They said, okay, but, but Spider-Man, we're going to see the three Spider-Man. We're going to see Spider-Gwen. We're going to see Venom. Or we're going to see this, 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 that, 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 that. It happened to a certain extent, and it worked. And then they said, okay, you liked what happened in Spider-Man. Get ready for Doctor Strange. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to be this, this, that, 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 that. It doesn't happen. My little brother hate did not like Doctor Strange. He was like, I just thought there was gonna be more cameos, and I was like, it's not the point of the movie. I remember and, hearing. I remember hearing people say like, oh yeah, Chris Evans is gonna be the Human Torch. Oh yeah, Toby's gonna be back. Oh yeah, like Ma- Michael Fassbender is gonna be there. Exactly. And the problem they're going happens now is Doctor Strange's over, and everyone's like, huh, that wasn't what we expected it to be. And these mm-hmm. influencers are now like, yeah, oh well, you guys aren't ready for Secret Wars. Secret Wars is coming. And are you kidding me? We're gonna see the. We're gonna see. Oh, I can't believe we're gonna have to watch the three peers fight each other in Civil War and Secret Wars. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to see Professor X fight somebody in Secret War. Oh, Secret Wars is gonna be insane. It's like no, you 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 can't keep doing this because you're raising people's expectations. You're speaking on these things like they're facts or like. They're rumors that like are gonna come true in some way. And it's you're again creating this idea that the MCU is just this giant fan service now. It's a fan yes. service event. And that's not what the MCU is. They're trying I, to tell these stories without trying to overcomplicate it with just trying to satisfy random fans. Yes. I think from I think in two different angles, I think the concept of Everyone is so preoccupied with what's coming next works for like the biggest problem with the MCU right now. 
I think mm-hmm. from the bit from the creative production standpoint of it, everyone's so preoccupied with building to the next end game that everything's being pushed out quickly and and nothing is like given the time to breathe. Um and from the fan standpoint, everyone has these wild theories about what's coming next that they just continue to add to every time they don't get what they want. Exactly. And it it's a problem. And it's a problem that is going to continue the more that we give these. And the truth is, this is the other point of the theory I realized. So I spent the past couple weeks rewatching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Because when I see people rank shows, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is consistently in the bottom half of the MCU shows or MCU phase four projects. And I'm saying mm-hmm. this right here. I am making this claim and I will die on it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier is one of the best phase four projects we've gotten. And I will yeah. sit there and I will sit there and I will die on this hill. It is one of the best story te- it is one of the best stories told. It is a great continuation of every single character it introduces. It juggles all of its characters perfectly and it might do some stuff that you didn't expect and you didn't think and you didn't really like at first but it's consistent with what we've seen in this story i could i I could do a whole nother episode specifically about falcon the winter soldier but everybody overlooks it everybody overlooks it because we just finished up with wandavision and everyone was like i remember even myself i'm sitting here being like oh well the big twist here is that zemo is going to be the real villain of this whole thing and it's going to be this huge twist at the end where now zemo build an army and he's super strong on all this when it's like no zemo's entire goal throughout this whole show is that he's gonna find the super soldier serum and he's gonna destroy it and that's exactly yeah. what he did because that's exactly what his character was built up to be i i remember because i think we both can admit that like we were part of this toxic fan toxic fan culture for a while one hundred percent. The theories and like, like I was gonna, I was dying on the hill that this leaker was was correct and that Quicksilver was gonna show up. It was gonna be awesome. And I, I told, I you. sent you a text the night before Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiered with a long, detailed theory about how Latveria was gonna be introduced and how Doc Victor Von Doom was gonna be like a rogue member of Zemo's crew or the Flag Smashers or something, and I. And no, no, I don't want that anymore. The truth is, with a show like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they introduce everything you need to know in the first two episodes, and they stick with it the entire time, and they don't change it up. There are some, like, little reveals here or there, but along with the main storyline, they said, this is what you're getting. You're going to live with these characters for six hours, and you're going to grow to appreciate them more. Yeah. Well, and I think the problem, this MCU oh, yeah. problem, sorry, sorry, no, is yeah. that it's causing us to overlook the really bright independent stories because we're so focused on when is the when is the multiverse going to explode? We're all so is- caught up in the multiverse. We're now so focused on that and when it doesn't come true, we're kind of just like and we feel the fatigue because I know for a fact everybody is overlooking Thor: Love and Thunder right now, and yeah. even Taika and Taika Waititi has come out and said I was so surprised of how good Thor: Love and Thunder is turning out. When you hear Taika Waititi expressing how surprised he is 
that a project of his is even better than he expected it to be. That's how you know you got something a little, it might be a little special on your hand. This, this is a good place to sort of like look toward the future with, um, with these, with like the progress of the projects in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing to come out is Miss Marvel. And um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it. I want to do Miss the G Willow Wilson Comic Con run justice and mm-hmm. read it before I ever discuss it on this podcast. But yes, um, I think I totally agree. I think everyone needs to read it before. Honestly, yeah. I and like I'm guilty of this. You need to read it before you're making comments on what it's going to be like. I'm going to go read it after we finish recording. But, but yeah. I I think we besides the big elephant in the room like changing Kamala's powers I mm-hmm. think we are going to see a nice fun slice of life story. I want it to be good and I have okay expectations for it. Exactly. And that's kind of how I'm at. I think it's going to be a little cringy sometimes because you're focusing on a high school superhero, like a teenage superhero. I think there're going to be some moments where you're like, "Oh, okay, that was kind of goofy. That was kind of cheesy." But I think in general, we're all going to, f- I think I'm going to fall in love with, how, how do you, I want to make sure, is it Iman? Uh, I believe it's Kamala. I, again, I am. No, 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 no. Oh, the, 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 the actress's oh, name is oh, Iman. Im- Im- Iman Vellani, I think. I think I'm going to fall in love with Iman Vellani's performance of Kamala Khan. Yes. I, I think. I'm, sh- I'm sure it, from what people, fans of the comment, from fans of the run have been saying, I don't think it's going to hit the highs of Kamala in the comics, but I think we are going to get charmed by it. Yes. And I think everyone is kind of, I, again, I, I think the, the actress, she looks like she's having the time of her life just portraying yes. this character. And honestly, that's all I want in a Marvel actor. Yeah. And speaking of that, Thor and She-Hulk, I think sort of can be lumped into that too. Like mm-hmm. those, they both just seem so fun. Like I think it's gonna be so fun and and not really new look at the world. You know, it's more of now we're focusing on the everyday people. You know, we saw the introduction of these gods and legends, but now it's like, what about the everyday people who just live in the world of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I I think She Hulk's really gonna give us that, and I think Thor is gonna give us something completely independent from anything that's come before. I, I am so excited for it. I am it, so... Like, yeah. I have no idea what to expect. And I think what I love about the first trailer specifically, the tone of the trailer is exactly how I feel like the audiences have been left with Thor. Yes. Where it's like, why are we focusing on him? He's retired now. What is going to happen with him? Yeah. And I think we're going to see a great conclusion to Hemsworth's story. And see... I don't Natalie want it Portman. to end. Because We're I feel see, like we just got like him rejuvenated, but yeah. I think I don't think Thor Thor Odin's son is gonna die in Love and Thunder. I think he's gonna take a step back, but we'll still see him around. I like that. I also um, I hope we get a really com- well. Sorry. Oh, I was going to move on to the last one, if, but if you want to say I was going to say, I think we're going to get a really a new compelling story of Jane Foster, because I feel like Jane Foster has been a character that's been consistently like mistreated within the MCU. Yeah. And I think Tycho knows that. And I think Tycho's going to do a really good job telling her story. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited. And um, then moving on to the last like 
big, big project that we know stuff about for 2022, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yeah. I, I want it to be good, but this is one of those big cases of like, you can't plan things so far ahead because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. And I think I, I don't, I want it to live up to, I, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's, it's going to be hard to pull off this movie when Chadwick Boseman is dead. And, and especially with not just that, but with Letitia Wright, like all the controversy surrounding her now. And like, yes. I don't know who I, I want to be Black Panther. I just want to be proven wrong, and I want this movie to be great. I think so. Actually, Jackson, this is this is more breaking news. Um, this might be some spoilers for Black Panther too. So if you don't want to listen to it, um, oh, it, these are just like see, rumors. Did you see that Namor article too that I saw? Yes. So I'll be honest. Um, I haven't read a whole lot about Namor, but I have a friend. Shout out Robbie Knapp. He's a huge comic fan. I love him. Um, we talk about Namor a lot because he he hates Namor. And he says that, Na like, and I haven't read Namor, so I'm going to take his word for it, that Namor is one of those characters who is consistently just an asshole. And, like, I'm really excited to see what happens because they're changing up his origin. I am it's so excited to see a new reinvention of Namor. And this is what I think more MCU sh stuff should do. Looking to the future, I don't want adaptations or dramatizations i want reinventions mm -hmm. that's a good line right yeah i think that's i was trying to think of a good conclusion line and i think that's the conclusion line to this episode um thank you sam for coming back to talk about this we had originally like set you here to we were going to talk about like avengers academy but i think like this was the better call, especially like as both of us were feeling about like MCU fatigue and stuff. And like, I think this MCU episode needs... is a real thing. It's it a real thing. Happen. This we'll talk about Avengers. We'll talk about Avengers Academy and Reptile once I actually once it's confirmed that I'm playing Reptile. I'll yeah. give you all the details of them. Yeah. Um. Yes. And and then, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And remember, um, everyone go watch Legion. That's that's how I'm going to end this episode. You should all ah. go watch Legion. You should all read the G. Willow Wilson, Miss Marvel, um, all of these things. Watch Daredevil, too. Uh, you probably have. Goodbye, still, everybody. Still watch them. Watch the underappreciated Marvel shows. Yes.
Recommended reading with Jackson Heyman's theme music was written by Charlotte Rosenthal. Recommended reading with Jackson Heyman is produced by Mythonomica Productions. Thank you for listening.